This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I want to talk about resetting the economy of Zimbabwe from the courts of heaven. Resetting the economy of Zimbabwe from the courts of heaven. And what we as the ecclesia, now, now watch what I'm telling you. I'm going to teach you not so much from a personal level. In other words, what you can do as a person and how you can get personal breakthrough. There are principles that would apply to that. But God wants us to understand something. How many of you know God wants us to shift out of a personal perspective and into a corporate man? Because the Bible is very clear that the perfect man, the corporate man, the one, that, the one where we where sometimes, watch, we lay down our own agenda, our own, ag- own desire for, for a few moments, and we come together as a corporate man called the ecclesia, the church that Jesus said he would build. Because that's what he said, upon this rock I will build my church. So I want to talk to you about how we can go before the courts um, past just what we've done this weekend, how we can go before the courts as an ecclesia, a church of Zimbabwe, and present a case to the courts of heaven uh, concerning Zimbabwe to reset the economy of Zimbabwe. Now, why is that important? Because here's what God said to his people when they were carried captive into Babylon. Seek the peace of the city, for what? In its peace, you will have peace. In other words, don't just be about you and your, your little clan. That's what he said. He said, look, you need to seek the peace of the city. You need to get the prosperity of God moving in the city. You need to change the economy of the city. Because if you can see the economy of the city change, then everybody's going to get the benefit of that, including you. You see, sometimes we're running around trying to get our own individual little blessing rather than coming together as the corporate man, as the ecclesia, and presenting cases in the courts so that, the, so that something can shift in, an, in a nation, in an economy that allows everybody to get blessed in the process. That makes sense to you? So I'm saying, let's, do, let's go, listen, let's go after something that really matters. I mean, let, as the church, not just, okay, God, I need my blessing. No, God knows that. Listen, this is, all, this, this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Here's what he said. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, what did he mean by it? Not just in your prayer. Seek first the kingdom of God. Here's what he said. And, all, and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added to you. In other words, if you'll get your eyes off of your own individual stuff, and get your eyes on the kingdom agenda of God. Put what he wants first. He said, then God will see to it that all your stuff gets taken care of. Now, that's hard for us to do sometimes. Because we're selfish. And we're, we're, we're wanting to survive. But I'm telling you, it's the principle of God. God, I'm going to put your stuff ahead of my own stuff. I am going to say, Lord, what I want is I want peace over Zimbabwe. I want prosperity in the economy of Zimbabwe. I want to see not just my house blessed, I want to see the house of a nation blessed so that everybody, whether they know Jesus or not, gets blessed because the church has stood before the courts of heaven and seen something transpire that lets God's will come into the nation. I hope that's making sense to you. 
Because that's really what the Lord has called us to. Now, in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, it says, For the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. I love that. The blessing of the Lord makes rich and has no sorrow with it. In other words, what produces riches? The blessing of God. The blessing, no, listen, it's not working real hard. Now, we need to work, obviously. But it's not really working hard that produces the blessing. I know a lot of people that work really, really, really hard, but they're not, they're not blessed. And, and when it says the, the blessing of God makes rich, I mean, that's talking about abundance. That's talking about, that's, that's talking about you know, more than enough. That's talking about the, 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 the accumulation of wealth that's occurring there. It says it makes rich, and it adds no sorrow. It, add, it literally means no worry, no anxiety with it. That you're free to enjoy it. And as we shared the other day, to use it for the reformation of a nation. So I'm saying, Lord, let the blessing of God come. So, so watch. How do, watch. Two things. Number one, how do we secure that blessing? Over, now we're talking about over a nation, in an economy, and how do we steward it once it's secured? How do I steward it so that, so that it continues and actually continues to grow? I want to just mention to you a couple of scriptures here. Joshua chapter 5, verse 12. Because we need, a, we, 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 we need a mind shift. Jo- Joshua 5, verse 12. It says that on the day they came into the promised land, they ate of the old corn, of the, old, the, of the, of the last harvest, and it says on the day that they ate of, that, of the fruits of the land, the manna ceased. See, see, here's the way most, most Christians live their life. We need a miracle God. We need a miracle God. We need a miracle God. We need a miracle. We need need a miracle of provision. We need a miracle of breakthrough. Listen, God says, I want to take you out of the miracle place, and I want to move you into the place where that you're you're sowing, you're reaping, you're, 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 uh, you're functioning in principles of the kingdom that is actually causing a blessing to come up on you so that no longer do you need a miracle to survive. I I appreciate miracles. I've had to have many of them. And I've watched God bring me and my family miracles in times gone by. But I also know, watch, when I began to practice, when we began to practice kingdom principles faithfully, then sooner or later that began to produce results where that I no longer need a miracle to live. The principles themselves are causing prosperity and blessing to come into our lives. I hope that's making sense to you. So, so th- this is what happened. See, what did they do after they came into the promised land? The manna ceased because now they were going to have to sow and reap, sow and reap, sow and reap, sow and reap. They were going to have to begin to function in those principles that was going to actually produce provision for them. Now, I wanted just to share that, and then I want to read one verse of Scripture here. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 7 through 10. And when we read this, I believe God is describing what he wants an economy of a nation to be based out of. So Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 7 through 10. This is what he promised his people uh, concerning the promised land. Deuteronomy 8 verse 7. Uh, 2 through 10. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of waters, of fountains, of springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. 
in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose heels you can dig copper. And when you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given to you. What is God describing there? An economy. He's, he's describing an economy of a nation. He said, look, you're going to come in and because of the fruitfulness of the land, there's going to be such an economy that you'll eat bread without scarcity. You'll lack nothing. He said, everybody's going to be blessed. Everybody's going to be prosperous. Everybody's going to be sustained. Everybody's going to have, have, have everything they need plus more. There'll it, it, they'll, be more than enough that'll happen. Why? Because I'm going to put such a blessing on the economy of this nation that this is going to be a result. Now, if you read this, it says, obviously, they had to sow and they had to reap. They had to dig the, the, the minerals that were in the ground. They had to dig it. So the whole, whole, whole issue is this. Look, it's there, but you're going to have to be creative and innovative to get it out. You're going to have to be creative and innovative to get it out. Do you understand that, 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 that it hel it's very helpful when there's a good, strong economy? But you still got to be creative and innovative. You still got to be able to say, Lord, Lord, help me, help me understand what I'm supposed to do. I always think, of, I always think about Peter. I always think about Jesus getting into the boat of Peter in Luke chapter five, who Peter has fished all night and caught nothing. And so Jesus gets in his boat. Peter lets him use the boat, and he preaches. And then when he gets through, he says to Peter, "Launch out of the deep and let down your nets for a catch." I love this. And Peter says. Lord, I fished all night and called nothing. There ain't nothing out there. Listen, I'm an experienced guy. I've been doing this for a lot of years. There's no fish out there. And, and watch, Jesus says to Peter, let down your nets, plural. But G Peter says, but nevertheless, Lord, in other words, I'm going to humor you. Just read between, because I promise you this is what's happening. Nevertheless, I'll humor you and I'll let down a net, singular, just look at it. Jesus said, let down nets. Peter said, I'll let down a net. And so he launches out of the deep. He lets down the net. And he catches such a catch that the net breaks. Why does the net break? Because the catch was, was meant for nets, not a net. So what's the principle? With the measurement Peter used, it was the measurement he received back. When he used the measurement of a net, he got a net of fish rather than nets of fish. And the net broke. You're getting this. So, so whenever he, call, he has to call for his partners, James and John, and other boats to come help him. And they almost sink because there's so much fish before they can get them to shore. And that's with a net that's broke. I mean, think about how many fish this must have been. And so they get the net to shore. And Peter falls at the feet of Jesus and says, Lord... Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Why? Because the unbelief in his heart had been made manifest. And he suddenly realized, I don't know fully who I'm maybe dealing with at this moment. Because I, I don't know that he knew exactly who Jesus was. Because it's way on into Matthew 16 before, as we sang this morning, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He probably didn't have a full awareness. But he understood he was dealing with someone that, that had... had Power beyond what he understood. And so he, he literally is convicted and he's saying, depart from me for I'm, a, for I'm a sinful man. 
I, I, I see how wicked my heart of unbelief is. And Jesus said, don't worry. From here on out, you're going to catch men. I'm going to turn you into a fisherman of men. But here's what I want you to see. When, when Peter caught the net of fish that was supposed to be nets of fish, what was that for? People said, oh, that's, that represents souls. No, it represents money. Come on. Peter's a fisherman. He fishes not for recreation. He fishes to make a living. He caught so many fish. What would they? They would take it to the market. Maybe they would wholesale it. Maybe they would retail it. I don't know what they would do with it, but they knew what to do with it. Listen, if he'd have done what Jesus told him to do, they could have financed their ministry for years to come from one catch. From one catch. Because the fish didn't represent souls. Yeah, later on he would catch men. It represented money. How many of you know God's able to give you creative, innovative ideas, but you're going to have to believe it and let down the nets? If you don't let down the nets, you're not going to get the benefit of it. See, Peter did get a little bit of a benefit, but he, he lost most of it. So God wants to help us. Listen to him. And we, you, listen, you can go through the stories of the Bible, and we, tr we tend to spiritualize them. But I'm telling you what, these stories are very practical. See, again, the whole issue is with the measurement you use, that's the measurement you're going to receive back. That's Luke 6, 38. Given it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, shall men give in your bosom. For with the measurement you use, that's the measurement that you'll receive back. The Lord said to me one time, he said, do you know, he said to me, he said, do you know who determines the level of breakthrough you get? He said, you do. He said, the reason my people never come into the next level of breakthrough is because they keep measuring out the same thing, the same measurement. And because they keep measuring out the same measurement, they just keep living the same manner of life. But he said, if they would just move in faith and begin to measure out a greater measurement, then that greater measurement would allow a greater measure of breakthrough to come. And that's always been a challenge to me. And again, I don't want to take time, but we could go through all sorts of different scenarios in the scriptures where we see that happen. Okay, so God, listen, God is wanting to establish a great economy, I believe, in Zimbabwe. And that may seem like the most difficult thing that could ever happen, but nothing is too hard for God. And I'm going to tell you something. If we as the ecclesia can come and step into the courts of heaven, if we can do that in behalf of the economy of Zimbabwe, then something can shift and move that can cause the blessing of God to come on a nation so that in its peace and prosperity, you will have peace and prosperity. Because now we're developing a kingdom heart and a kingdom mind. So, so what I want to do this morning is I want to give you, I want to give you three things, three critical things that's going to take for the economy of Zimbabwe to shift. Okay? Number one. And I'm talking to you from a court of heaven perspective. Number one, there has to be a true demonstration of the ecclesia raised up. Matthew 16 and verse 18, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. I'm going to take just a minute. And I know this may be just rehearsing what you already know, but you got to get this. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That word church is the Greek word ecclesia, and 
we, I mean, I, I remember, I, I said this to the conference, I remember when I was growing up in the 70s and all the great teachers that were coming into the body of Christ in that time, and they were teaching like on the five-fold ministry gifts, and, and this was like brand new revelation to all of us, and, and, um, and, and they would talk about the church, and they would, they would, they would try to define the church and, 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 uh, and explain the word ecclesia. Well, I found out later that, that what they said was correct, but it was only partial. For instance, they would tell us, and they are right, they would tell us, ecclesia simply means to call out ones. So here's the impression it left. Here was the impression. We're the called out ones, we're loved, we're saved by God, and we're over here, watch, we're over here having our worship service, loving Jesus, experiencing all the goodness of God, but, but we're called out from the big, big bad world, and we're just, we're just loving God with all of our heart. And one of these days, he's going to come and take us to heaven. But don't worry about the world. Let them have the world. Let them have the, let them have the movies. Let them have the arts and entertainment. In fact, don't even go to them. Come on, this is the way we thought. Because we're the called out ones. But see, we didn't understand. Ecclesia, by definition, does mean the called out ones. But when you search it out, you'll find out that in the culture Jesus spoke it. For instance, a, a Greek-Roman culture. That, that in the Greek culture, ecclesia was leaders or elders that met in a city gate governmentally. That made decisions that determined the life in that city. In the Roman culture, the ecclesia, when a region was was, was conquered, a group was sent from Rome called the Ecclesia that changed the culture of that now conquered region until it looked like Rome. They changed the city streets names, they changed the currency, they changed the language, they changed everything until it was Roman in nature till you couldn't tell the difference between that city and Rome itself. And it was the Ecclesia that discipled that discipled that conquered region. So all of a sudden, guess what? We realize, wait, the ecclesia is not just the called out ones, it's the called out ones for governmental purposes. Because that's what it was. They met in the city gates for governmental purposes. They, they went into conquered regions and began to disciple that region until it looked like Rome, what you got to get this? What did Jesus say? Go disciple nations. Go make nations look like heaven. Come on, the ecclesia's job is to make nations look like heaven. That's what we're here to do. We're not here to hang on until Jesus comes and gets us. We're here to step in as the, as the perfect man. We are here to operate in the courts of heaven. We're here to shift spiritual realities until heaven can penetra penetrate a culture and can change the way a nation looks. That's who we are as the ecclesia. That's what Jesus said he was going to build. An ecclesia. That's called out for governmental purposes. They realize what we we're, we realize what we're here for. Does that make sense to you? So now, watch the word ecclesia is also a legal term, because whenever they sit in the city gates, they're functioning legally. They're making governmental decisions. They're legislating laws, 
And they're making judicial decrees. That's all legal in nature. So listen, by virtue of us being the ecclesia, that means we have a right and a responsibility to function as the ecclesia in the courts of heaven. And to stand and to represent, watch this, to represent a culture to God in that court. I, I, I think I maybe said this the other night. But remember when, when Abraham went into Sodom and Gomorrah, or, or, or whenever God told him Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed? And Abraham said, would you spare it? We know ultimately for ten righteous. Well, what was he asking God for? He understood. Like some say a ten is a quorum, but... Ten was also the number of the Beit Din in the Jewish culture. That's in every synagogue. It was the three chief justices and the seven lesser justices that when those ten made a decision, it became a binding decision upon the region it had jurisdiction over. So when Abraham said, would you spare it for ten righteous, he understood exactly what he was asking for. If there's something of a government, if there's something that heaven, watch, can recognize as a government... Within a culture. If that government can stand before you in righteousness, will you allow them to give you what the, the, the reasons you need, the legal realms you need, to be able to show mercy to a nation that doesn't deserve it? Because it deserved to be punished. It, des it deserved to be destroyed. And God said, if there's ten righteous, I'll spare it for ten righteous. Why? Because if you can hear this, there, there would have been an ecclesia. That could have represented that culture to the Lord. Now, I tell people this all the time. See, I, I, can't, I can't represent your culture to the Lord. I'm not Zimbabwe. I'm not from Zimbabwe. I, and in most places I go in the world, I can't represent the culture. I can come as an invited guest and stand with you and, and have an authority because I'm invited in by an apostle. I can stand with you, but only a cult, only an ecclesia from within a culture, can represent that culture before God. See, otherwise, Abraham would have been able to ask God himself for mercy on Sodom and Gomorrah. But the problem was, Abraham wasn't a part of the culture of Sodom and Gomorrah. He didn't live there. Are you getting this? There had to be those from within Sodom and Gomorrah that could represent it to the Lord. And if it was though, if if there was a cult, if there was an ecclesia within that culture, God said that that'll be that'll be all I need to be able to be merciful to something that otherwise ought to be destroyed. Or you you see what I'm saying? So guess what? You have a right in Zimbabwe to represent Zimbabwe to the Lord. You are an ecclesia that has been built here. You have a right to stand and say, Lord, we are not at the mercy of our politicians. We are not at the mercy of corruption. We are not at the mercy of anything other than you. So, Lord, we take our place as the government of God, as the ecclesia of God, and we boldly stand before you in the courts, and we seek to give you the right you need to shift the economy of Zimbabwe until it begins to be prosperous so that when the economy begins to prosper then everybody prospers including me because in his peace you will have peace are you getting this see we're not victims we're actually the answer 
as we come to stand before the courts of heaven. Now, listen, not one, one person can't do this. It takes an ecclesia. It's, it, it has to be the government of God. And let me just give you another scripture. Hebrews 12, 23. It says, we have come to Mount Zion, because I'm going to try to get to this in just a moment. Mount Zion, we have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. And then it says, among other things, to the church of the firstborn, which is registered in heaven. It means the church of the firstborn that's been marked out are recognized in heaven. So what was the writer saying? If there's a church, if there's an ecclesia, because that's the word, that heaven recognizes, it's going to have the right to stand before me in that dimension of the spirit and give me everything I need to be able to cause things to shift within this nation. Amen. Okay, so... Let me, let me just show you. Let me get, that's the first thing. A true ecclesia has to recognize who it is and take its position. Number two. In Zimbabwe, in any other nation that has gone through some similar, similar things that you have gone through, watch. You have to annul covenants with the powers of darkness. Because one of the reasons that the nation is in the situation it's in is because demons claim they own it. You say, well, how could that happen? Well, influential people. Okay, it, it can happen any number of ways. But in, in uh, Isaiah 28, verse, verse 15, uh, the Bible says that the men, I mean, these were, these were Jewish people, the, the Israelites, that the men of Judah and Jerusalem, it said that when the scourge comes, it will pass us over. In other words, we won't, we won't suffer the consequences. We won't be punished. It says, for we have made Sheol, we have made a covenant with Sheol, and we made an agreement with hell. So what they're saying there is we have made covenant with demons. And as a result of that, we're going to be protected. Well, how many of you know, listen, not just you, me, every, all of us. In our history, there have been covenants made with demons. That is giving demons the legal right to claim families, but also nations. For instance, I was in Hawaii, and I was teaching on breaking curses from the courts of heaven. And this was been many years ago now, and I'm teaching on breaking curses from the courts of heaven. And as I'm teaching on it, I began to pray and, and help the people step into the courts, and we're going to remove the legal rights of curses to operate, because curses can only operate from a legal right. Proverbs 26, 2 says, a curse without a cause cannot land. The cause is, in other words, there's something legal in the history that's giving it a right to operate. So, so and, and, and it's always attached to iniquity and those kind of issues. And you're going to see sacrifices to demon powers in times gone by. So I'm in Hawaii, and I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to get the curse. And the moment I start praying for this people in Hawaii, I become aware of this argument going on in the spirit world. Legal argument. Because the argument is, who does this people belong to? And I suddenly become aware that in that Polynesian culture, in centuries gone by, there had been blood sacrifices made to demons. That, that's historically known. 
blood sacrifices made to demons that was now giving the demons the legal right to say, you can't lift the curse off this nation. This nation belongs to me because their ancestors gave it to me when they offered blood sacrifice to me. And I suddenly realized that I didn't have what I needed in that place to get a curse off of a, off of a, off of a, a state, off of a people, off of a culture. Why? Because there wasn't an ecclesia. So here's what I could do. I could get it off of individuals. Because you can individually break those rights of the enemy to own you and claim you and your family. You can do that individually. But it takes an ecclesia to stand before God and dismantle and get annulled from the courts of heaven the claim of the enemy that says it owns this nation and therefore, you can't stop me from doing what I'm doing. Is this making sense to you? So as an ecclesia, we have to stand in the courts and do this. No one person can do this. See, why? Because you're the government that's representing the nation as far as God's concerned. Not the one that's in your, 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 your government headquarters. You, this is the government headquarters. God said if his people will come together as a corporate man and represent this nation before me, then they can present a case that will strip the claim of the enemy away so that he no longer has a right to say, Zimbabwe is mine. Because we know all the blood sacrifices and all that was done. How do we do that? By taking the blood of Jesus. Amen? Now, how did that happen? I need to touch this real quickly. So I'm just going to be able to mention this. I'm looking at my time because i got to get to the airport. Watch. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, how did this happen? Through trades? And, I, and I, I didn't realize you guys had been taught some on trades. But how I many you know all of us stand on the trading floor? Okay, Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 14 through 16, it says that Lucifer, before he was thrown out of heaven, when he was a, a, a cherubim, a covering cherubim, it says that he was in the holy mountain of God upon the fiery stones. Okay, then iniquity was found in him. I'm just quoting it. And it says, through the abundance of his trading, he became filled with violence, and therefore God threw him out of the holy mountain of God and from off of the fiery stones. So notice... Before his fall, what Lucifer did was he functioned in trading. Now, listen, what that says is this. See, you, you read it and you think, oh, trading's bad. No, 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 no. Trading is heavenly in nature. You see, it wasn't that he traded. It wasn't the trading that was the problem. It was where he traded from and the motive he traded with. That was wrong. Let me, for instance, give you, okay, if he, if trading is wrong, then number one, you would, this is what you'd have to say. Satan or Lucifer is a creator. He is not a creator. He is a copier. He creates nothing. So he didn't create trading. Trading is heavenly activity. Okay, if trading is not heavenly activity, then the cross is null and void. Because the cross was the greatest trade ever. What Jesus said, watch, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That's a trade. 
Not just that. Isaiah 53, 4. He took our sickness, bore away our pains. What? In other words, he took our sickness so we could have his help. That's a trade. Healing is always a result of a trade. Healing is a result in putting confidence in the trade Jesus made in our behalf. You follow me? 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. It says that he being rich became poor that we by the grace of God might become rich. That's a trade. So everything that Jesus did on the, on the cross was a trade. So if trading is wrong, then the cross is wrong. See why? Because trading is actually heavenly activity. Let me give you another, Isaiah, 50, uh, Isaiah 61. We all know this one. Isaiah 61, he gives us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that we might be the, the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. Okay, you got to get this, guys. See, you're trading and you don't even know it. See, all of that is a trade. Beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit. That's a trade. Now watch, what happens? When we trade, what happens? Transformation occurs. Because it says through this act of, I give him my ashes, he gives me beauty. I give him my heaviness, he gives me praise. I give him my, my depression, he gives me joy. See, when I trade with him, what happens? It says I go from this weak state into trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. In other words, I come into realms of strength and maturity because I know how to trade away my weaknesses for his strength. I do this every day in prayer. I do. I come before the Lord, and I bring him my weakness. When I get up in pr from prayer, I'm strong. I made a trade in the Spirit. Trading is heavenly. So watch. The devil understands this. He got kicked out of heaven for improper trading. So what does he do? He comes into the Garden of Eden. He has nothing. He's lost everything. So what does he do? He makes a trade. He comes to Adam and Eve, and he offers them sin. Watch. And when they took what he was offering... He then had the legal right to take what they had. Adam and Eve lost creation through a trade. Jesus won it back through a trade. The cross was a trade. You, are you getting this? So guess what? God says, you gotta, you got to get this. I'm just giving you the scriptures. Ezekiel 28, what I just read, verse 14 to 16. That Lucifer, when he was functioning from a heavenly perspective, was on the trading floors of heaven, which are the fiery stones, okay, in the holy mountain of God. Because of his improper trading, he gets kicked out of there. He gets kicked out of the holy mountain of God. Isaiah, please get this, Isaiah, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 12, 22 through 24. You have, as New Testament believers, you have come to Mount Zion. The holy mountain of God. Well, let me give you a secret. Let me tell you why Satan hates us so bad. The realm he used to function in that got, he got kicked out of, we now have access into. He got kicked out of the holy mountain of God. We have been invited into it. That we stand in a spiritual dimension called 
the, called Mount Zion. And if you go through Hebrews 12, 22 to 24, you're going to find that in Mount Zion is where the courts of heaven operate. Why? Because in, the, in Mount Zion is God the judge of all. Is the spirits of just men made perfect, which is the cloud of witnesses, those who give judicial testimony. Is the church, which is a legal entity. Is the blood that is speaking, which means it's giving testimony. See, we're standing in the very dimension that Satan got kicked out of. Why? Because we're suppo- we now are called to trade. Watch, you got to get this. Trade for what? As the ecclesia, we're called to trade for nations. So you don't understand. I showed it to you the night in Malachi 3. When you bring your tithes and your offerings, not just as an individual, but as a part of the ecclesia. When you bring your tithes and offerings, you are releasing testimony into the courts by a trade that is giving God the legal right to judge and set things in order. Judge sorcery, witchcraft, perjury, oppressive economic systems. Remember? God says, if my church would just bring me an offering in righteousness, it'll give me the right I need. They will trade for me to judge oppressive economic systems so that I can cause a prosperous economic system to come into place. That in the peace of that nation and that city, my people themselves shall have peace. Now, I want to tell you something. If we as the church get serious about this, and I'm just touching it real quickly. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Things are going to start turning around in Zimbabwe. Watch this. The politicians are going to take credit for it. But it's going to be the church that caused it. It won't be the policies of the politicians. It will be the church that has stood in the courts of heaven and made trades. And made trades. Watch. Not just so our own individual lives can be blessed. No, that's, that's, that's fine. But we're saying there's even something higher than that. We're setting our hearts upon the kingdom desire of God. I'm seeking first His kingdom and all of His righteousness. Lord, my passion it's for Zimbabwe to become a reflection of heaven itself. And that systemic poverty would be broken. And that things would move and shift so that God not only reclaims a nation for himself, but shifts the economy of that nation so that blessing and prosperity and peace become our portion. How many of you want to see that happen in Zimbabwe? then we need to take our place as the ecclesia. Would you stand up with me, please? I knew I threw a lot at you this morning. I mean, just think. I mean, God can do a quick work. But just, I just want you just to imagine. Use your holy imagination for just a moment. What can Zimbabwe look like within the next 10 years? What can God do in this nation? 
because there's an ecclesia that has learned how to step into the courts of heaven and undo all the effects of blood altars from times gone by and say they no longer have a legal right. We claim from the courts of heaven that Zimbabwe belongs to the Lord. But then began to make trades in the courts of heaven that goes up as a testimony and speaks before the Lord because we have been called as his church to stand in the very dimensions that Satan himself used to stand in when he was Lucifer. So would you just say this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you have made me a part of your ecclesia. And Lord, I want your passion for Zimbabwe to take place. I want to see all that's written in the books of heaven about Zimbabwe to come to pass. Lord, I say before you, we say before you, as the ecclesia, we seek the peace of this nation. For in its peace, we will have peace. We thank you, Lord, that the economy of Zimbabwe is shifting. It is moving into divine order. And that every claim of demonic powers that would say it's theirs, we say before the courts, we make another claim that Zimbabwe belongs to Jesus. And that Jesus' purpose for Zimbabwe shall be seen and there shall be verdicts come out of the courts of heaven that shall set this reality into place. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And give the Lord a big praise. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.